Hey, Merry Christmas. Hey, I thought we would just do probably what a ton of you do uh, every year at about this time. I thought we'd just take a moment to start and we just read the Christmas uh, story together. So if you've got your Bibles, grab them uh, real quick. We'll go to Luke chapter 2 together. If you're uh, really not very familiar with your Bible, if you go to the back and then uh, work to the left, you're going to find this book of Luke. Uh, It's at the beginning of what we call the New Testament. It's part of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which which are the stories of Jesus. And Luke chapter 2 happens to be the story of the birth of Jesus. It's the Christmas story. So it's Luke chapter 2. We'll start in verse 1. I'm sure most of you are wildly familiar uh, with the story, uh, but here's how it goes. Uh, Chapter 2, verse 1. In those days, uh, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Uh, This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terrified." But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and had gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. You know, I was getting ready uh, for the Christmas Eve service, and I was rereading the Christmas story, and it occurred to me, this story is pretty random. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of stuff going on all at the same time, and some of it seems to be kind of obscure and not necessarily highly related. I mean, you, you've got uh, Caesars uh, holding taxes, you've got stars appearing in the east and wise men chasing after them, you've got the Son of God being born in a stable, you've got shepherds having conversations with angels, you've got virgins giving birth. I mean, it's just kind of random kind of disjointed if you think about it. Uh, Ask Mary uh, how she feels about her part uh, of the Christmas story and where she fits in. 
I mean, if you were to say to Mary, Mary, what, what do you think of your piece of the story? I think she'd say something like this. Uh, it, it's pretty confusing uh, for me because here's the deal. I had a plan. I had a plan about how my life was supposed to go, and the story makes no sense in the plan. Uh, Mary had been born probably into a very humble uh, home. Uh, by all accounts, she's about 14 years of age when all of this unfolds. She'd grown up as a little girl watching her mom and learning what it was going to be like to have her own home one day. Her parents have decided for her who she's going to marry, and it's a guy by the name of Joseph. Uh, the thought is probably in a couple years uh, they'll actually have the wedding. Uh, she'll begin to kind of establish and work on her own home, and then, you know, eventually maybe some kids will come along. After that, maybe some grandkids. Uh, they'll invest in some camel commodities and work on retiring early. There's a plan. And suddenly, in the midst of her plan, God intrudes, and everything changes. And suddenly, virgins are giving birth, Gossips are gossiping, and Joseph is wondering, if I were married, I'd be saying, look, God, look, here's the deal. You know, the angel that visited me and kind of, could, could that angel come back, like for a second round? Because uh, I'm having a really, really hard time explaining this to my parents. I got a feeling that Mary would say to you and me, this feels pretty random, doesn't make a whole lot of sense to a 14-year-old girl. Uh, ask the shepherds. Uh, ask the shepherds what they think uh, of the Christmas story. I got a feeling if you said to the shepherds, hey, what about your piece of the story? They go, ours may be the craziest piece of them all. I mean, we're just ordinary guys. I mean, we've never done anything distinguishing in our entire lives. And the idea that God would pick us for the most urgent news ever given to mankind, the most important thing, and we're the spokesman. I mean, guys, if, if you take shepherds and fast-forward that into our culture, uh, they're the guys working uh, at the fast-food restaurant. They're, they're the cashier checking you out at the store. They're the guys mowing your lawn. They're just ordinary Joes. And somehow, for some random reason, God picks them to give the most important news ever in the history of the world. I got a feeling these shepherds be going, hey, look, God, uh, there's got to be hundreds, if not thousands of people who would be better at this than us, who you ought to consider first. I mean, what about like some ruler, some king? They could like write a proclamation. They could make a decree and say, look, I have decreed that God has come to earth. He's been born. It, maybe it should be some military person who could say, look, I, I've investigated this, I've looked into it, and it's true. This really is the Son of God. But us, we're the poster children for ordinary. 
How random is it that God would choose us to tell about this? Ask the mothers of Bethlehem what they think about the Christmas story. Some of us that uh, know the story a little bit better know that uh, as the wise men are following the star, they stop in the court of King Herod, and they ask King Herod, they say, uh, where's the king that's been born? And Herod knows nothing of it, but he's deeply, deeply jealous. And the idea that, that someone, even though they're just born in a baby, and it would be, what, 20, 30 years before they would even have a claim to the throne, the idea that anyone might take his throne is just so unthinkable for him. So he says to the wise men, look, uh, you go find out where he is, and then you come back and tell me so I can go worship too. Wise men are warned, and they go back a different way. But Herod figures out that uh, Scripture has said that the king's going to be born in Bethlehem, and so he makes a decree. All the male children, two years and younger, are to be slaughtered. Ask a mother in Bethlehem how much sense the Christmas story makes. How, how random that in the midst of what's supposed to be the best thing that's ever happened, the worst thing is happening in their lives. And, and it's, it's, like, it's like darkness is winning, and how can something this evil happen if God is really in control? It just looks so random. And Shouldn't something happen to Herod? I mean, shouldn't he just fall over dead and get eaten by worms or something else really cool? I mean, here's something really that ought to help our hearts and ought to change our thoughts. That in the midst of what appears to be just unconnected, unrelated moments all happening around this birth of Jesus... There's a plan. What appears to be randomness is not random at all. It is well thought out and literally orchestrated by God. I'm a five-year-old boy, and uh, I would sometimes spend time at my grandmother's house. And she had this amazing clock that sat on her uh, piano. And it was interesting because it would randomly gong I'd be playing and not paying much attention, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, just gong. Sometimes it would gong once, and sometimes it would gong five times, and sometimes it would gong three. It was just gonging for gonging's sake. And I, uh, I went to my grandma. I said, Grandma, uh, make the clock gong. And she said, oh, Lynn, I can't. And she turned the clock around. And suddenly, uh, 
for the first time to my five-year-old eyes what I thought had been just randomness, what I thought had just been the clock doing whatever the clock was going to do, I suddenly saw dozens upon dozens upon dozens of gears, and what I realized was what appeared to be random was actually unbelievably well thought out and planned that somebody had literally orchestrated that at precisely the right moment, the minute hand would move the exact increment that it was supposed to move. That, that because of the plan and because of the gears moving together exactly like they were designed to do, that the hour hand would go to exactly the right numeral at exactly the right time. And maybe most wonderful at all, the gongs. The gongs would gong four when it was four o'clock, and the gongs would gong seven when it was seven, because there was a plan to the gongs. And what you and I come to discover in the seeming randomness of the Christmas story is that in the midst of it all, God has a perfect plan. Matter of fact, grab your Bibles and go back with me just one chapter to Luke chapter 1. It's where the angel is first telling Mary that she's going to be pregnant. And where Mary is saying, how can this possibly be? And in the midst of it, the angel says, because God has a plan. So here it is. It's Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. And here's what it says. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. And ready? You will... Not, no, no, not maybe, Mary. Not God is kind of hoping it might happen. Not we're, you know, we're just going to see how the chips fall. Mary, I'm, you will. I'm about to tell you what's going to happen, Mary, because God has a plan. You will be with child and give birth to a son. And you are going to give him the name Jesus. Because Mary, Mary, look, in, in all of history, and despite all of the miracles that God has done, and despite the scripture that God has given, somehow, somehow men and women are still missing God. And so God has come up with a plan that he's going to make his love and his grace so obvious that people cannot miss it. And he's about to send his son into this world in a way that is absolutely unmistakable. And he will literally declare the reality of God and to prove how much God loves us. He'll seal it with his death so that men and women will never again miss the story of God. It's his plan, Mary. And you're going to be part of it. Verse 32. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. 
And the Lord God will, because there's a plan, give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will never end. Mary, never mind, never mind that Israel has not been a nation for 500 years. And I'm not even going to mention to you, Mary, that it won't even become a nation again for 1948 more years. But Mary, his kingdom will never end because God has a plan. Verse 36. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is now in her sixth month. You ready? For nothing is impossible for God. And Mary, look, here's the deal. I, I know, I get it. And what's going to happen over the next few months, it, it's, it's going to look confusing. And it's going to seem hopelessly random. And it's going to seem like God is out of control and that nobody's got a plan. But Mary, all you've got to do is play your piece in the story. And let God have his plan. And look, look at Mary's response. Here it is. Verse 38. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. I'm not sure I understand and I don't think I get the end. But I am the Lord's servant. Put me in the plan. Now guys, I'm just, this is a big deal for you and me. And here's why. Because there's an awful lot of us sitting in this room today, and, and if you look back over your, your life, you're going, wow, I'm not sure I see much of a plan, and, and the truth be told, it's pretty confusing and random. And you would say, I, I don't even know what my piece is. I, I, I'm not even sure where I fit in the plan. Because some of us, some of us are a lot like Mary. And you say, look, I, I thought I knew what I was doing, and I, I thought I had my life kind of figured out. Uh, I was going to buy a house uh, in Chandler, Arizona. And uh, I was going to build up a whole bunch of equity. <laughs> it was the plan. I was going to work at Intel forever. It was the plan. And now there have been layoffs, and economies go south, and loved ones get sick. And I'm just telling you. And what if, what if God is doing exactly in your life what he did in the life of Mary? What if he's setting aside your plan so that you can join his plan, which is bigger and grander and more amazing than anything you had planned? Some of us in this room, 
are more like the shepherds and we go, look, I, I am ordinary. I mean, I'm, I, I am the definition of average. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I've tried to do what I should do and I've tried to be loyal and I've tried to be faithful and I've tried to show up for work every day. But the reality is I, I've just kind of done what I was supposed to do and there's nothing extraordinary here. Some of us would say, I, I'm, I'm just an engineer. I, I'm, I'm a teacher at a school, but there's hundreds of other teachers. I'm retired. I'm just your average Joe. You get that God loves to invite average Joes into the plan. You know why he doesn't like using famous people and rich people and people with unbelievable skills and talents? Because whenever they get in the spotlight, that's all people see is their capacity. And God loves using shepherds and ordinary people because when he uses them, then everybody sees God. And what if, what if your life up until now has been leading up to the moment in which God would say, hey, I've got something very extraordinary for an ordinary person to do. Some of us would be more like the mothers of Bethlehem, and we'd say, Lynn, you, uh, you just don't understand. You don't understand how wrong things have been in my life. Evil, evil has won, and uh, things have been done that I, I, I just don't even want to say out loud. I get it. And I, and I get that much like the mothers of Bethlehem, you say, I, how in the world, if God is doing something amazing, can something so evil happen in the same chapter? And, and all I can say to you for sure tonight is, is that there is a God who heals, and there is a God who redeems, and there's a God who writes such amazing story that when he's done, it is so bright that darkness fades. And the most powerful thing that some of us in this room could do tonight with our random lives is to say what Mary said. I am the Lord's servant. Let it be as you've said. I'm going to stop with my own plans. I'm going to stop discounting myself because I'm ordinary. I'm going to stop trying to figure out why evil things happen. I'm simply your servant. And I want to be part of the plan. Let it be as you said. There are some of us in this room tonight, and you go, hey, whoa, I mean, you're just so far beyond me in your conversation. I, I just haven't even figured out this whole God thing. I'm not even sure that it makes sense, and I'm, I'm just here uh, because somebody made me come. What if... What if you, sitting in the seat that you're sitting in this evening, was always part of God's plan? What if he wanted you here tonight to have this conversation with me that you would reconsider him? And, and what if everything that has ever happened in your life up until now has been part of his plan for you to be here now 
I know you're going, no, Lynn, no, no chance. The only reason I'm here right now is because my wife made me. I'm, I'm here because after this is over, we're going to go open a bunch of presents, and my family's very religious, and I thought, boy, if I don't go to service, they won't give me as many. Is it possible? Is it possible that when you were young and uh, you got taken to that church service and something in your heart kind of nudged and moved and, and you thought to yourself, just in childlike innocence, you thought to yourself, I wonder, I wonder if this could be real. And is it possible that in that moment that was God nudging your heart, asking the question? Is it possible that when your friend betrayed and your marriage fell apart and in that moment of deep, deep loneliness and darkness in your life, you asked, is there anybody who will never leave me or betray me? And something inside of you knew there was one who wouldn't. And is it possible that was God touching your soul? When you went to the funeral and you stood at the side of that grave and you looked down in the hole and you thought to yourself, really? I mean, this is it? You live and then dirt. And something inside of you ached over that idea, and you asked yourself, is it possible that there's something on the other side of the grave? Is it possible that there is a forever? And could that have been God trying to get your attention? And if you were to look back over your life, the seemingly random things that have happened, the crazy co-worker who invited you to church, the bumper sticker you saw on the back of a car, is it possible that God has been using all of those things to bring you here tonight to reconsider him? Because all along that's been the plan. I'm just going to ask us to pray in a moment or two. And I, I think there are Christians in this room who came into this room struggling and you said, look, my plans have been blown up. I feel like just an ordinary Joe who God could never use. You don't understand the darkness. And your life has felt random and nonsensical. And the most powerful thing you could do tonight is not say, hey, God, explain it to me. Tell me how this ends. The most powerful thing you could do tonight is simply what Mary did. I am your servant. Let it be as you've said. I just want in the plan. There are some of us in this room who've never made a faith decision. You've never crossed that line into believing. And it's just possible that God brought you here tonight to change your mind. So I'm going to ask you just to bow our heads in prayer. And I'm just going to ask people of faith. I'm going to ask Christians in this room. If God is tugging on your heart. If God is saying, look, we've, we've wrestled and argued about this long enough.
And I'm not. I'm not going to tell you the end of the story. And I get that your life feels kind of random up until now. But what I really need you to do is simply say, here is your servant. Let it be as you've spoken. And some of us in this room need to pray that prayer tonight. I don't understand when I'm going to get the job. I don't know when the evil people get what they deserve. I don't know. Here is your servant. Let it be as you've said. For some of us in the room tonight, and, and you are not a person of faith yet, you may like God and you may have thought about God, but you know you've never decided on God and given your life to him. And suddenly you sit in a room and you look back over your life and it's just as plain as the gears inside the clock. I think there have been moments over and over and over again where God has been nudging my heart, trying to get my attention. And I've got a feeling tonight that I'm in this chair because I'm supposed to reconsider God. This, this is the night I'm supposed to make a faith decision. And I'm just telling you, it's as simple as a prayer. It's as simple as finally saying, I'm in the plan. So I'm just going to lead us in a simple prayer. You can quietly pray this in your seat uh, with me. It would go something like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I had no idea. I look back now at my life and I think I see you over and over and over again trying to get my attention. At the graveside with my neighbor. Suddenly what seems so random looks an awful lot like you trying to talk to me. And so I'm just praying right now and I'm asking you to come into my life. I'm asking you to forgive me. I'm asking you to forgive me for every time I shook my fist at you. For every time I knew what I should have done and I did just the opposite. I'm asking you to forgive me for my sin and to be my savior. I want to be in the plan. And this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer just now, in the seat back right in front of you is a card uh, that just simply says yes on the top. And I want to encourage you over the next few minutes uh, just to fill it out. There's just a couple blanks on it. And then when the service is over, uh, you'll see at all the exits are yes tables. And if you would just drop that card off there, it'd be a really, really powerful way for you to say, I get it. Yeah, I'm in the plan. I'm in the plan. Uh, these guys are going to lead us in worship. You're going to fill out your cards. We're going to see what God does next.